swimmers, and welcome to another episode of Torpedo Swim Talk podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Spurling. I hope you enjoyed my and chat each with week, Ryan. We chat to a swimmer such a from around the world and a about their swimming journey. Swimming right throughout the Oceania region. Today's guest is four-time Olympian and dual Check Masters out our world record holder at torpedoswimtalk.com. Hailing's just been Papua updated, and we're still working. Ryan was PNG's first ever gold medalist at the 2006 Olympic Games in Melbourne. Uploaded and he shared how he swam that race. But there's a lot there already. Check them out, and you can use them in your own training. As well, we talked about the joy he found swimming at the Masters World Championships till next time. 2017. Happy swimming and, and the four Olympic games he swam in. Let's hear from Ryan now. Hi Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. It's lovely that you can join us today. Where are you coming to us from? Uh, yes, I'm in uh, Papua New Guinea, so uh, a little bit up north from where you are. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's I guess, a little bit drizzly and, and no good here, but uh, yeah, Papua New Guinea is where I am. Yeah. So are you based in Port Moresby? Yeah, yeah, based in Port Moresby. This is where I was, I was born, um, spent most of my life here, um, apart from a few years in Brisbane. Um, but yeah, this, this is home for me. Yeah, fantastic. And have you got a swim in this week? Not yet, not yet. I, I do get my Saturday mornings in. Uh, I do try for uh, during the week, but um, gosh, it can be uh, challenging with some young kids. Yes, of course. What's what's the swimming scene like in Papua New Guinea now? Yeah, look, it's it's uh, it's gathering some momentum. Um, obviously, through COVID, uh, there was um, you know, everyone had issues, so um, you know we're we're not uh, out of that. But uh, yeah, look, it's it's gathering some momentum. We've got a lot of young kids engaged in the program um, here. You know, unfortunately, in Papua New Guinea, we've got one publicly accessible pool, um, so it's it's uh, you know, sharing that that lane space with um, as many kids as we can to get into the program, and that's that's our swimming community. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, certainly challenging, uh, but we we work pretty hard uh, to make sure the kids can um, get in and have fun. That's a that's the main part. Yeah, and what's what's the master swimming community like there? Yeah, we've um, we we started off um, with a bit of interest with the master swimming, um, and we had some uh, some parents here, some some older age uh, swimmers that that were in uh, yeah before my time that uh, wanted to be involved in it, and um, yeah, so we got a club together, and, and that was good fun. But um, unfortunately, they have moved on, and we don't have that uh, uh, sort of community at the moment. There are still swimmers that like to engage um, and have a bit of fun and swimming around it but it's not a, a community type thing at the moment so hopefully we can build on that um, my experiences through uh, I guess a bit of masters um, competition and, and you know just enjoying my life after that uh, uh, more elite uh, career pathway is um, you know I've very much enjoyed it and everyone that does it now you know does it for the health health factors yes. at the moment so yeah and you know it's it's again it's that one swimming pool and trying to get that access is um is what we uh try and face yeah yeah, yeah. it's 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 tough isn't it is it a 25 meter or 50 meter pool? it's a 50 meter pool it's actually a very very good facility um unfortunately just uh you know the maintenance side of things has been uh, a little bit um uh 
it's been left behind. So they're, they're trying to catch up now. And um, yeah, but you know, we've we've almost got exclusive use of the pool in terms of the the club, the swimming club that's here. Um, so we have a 10 lane, 50 meter pool that we'll use. Uh, so yeah, there's. Um, I mean, when I go on the Saturday Saturday mornings, there's I've got 10 lane, 50 meter pool, and there's two of us that swim in there. So oh, wow. we're not fighting for space. <laughs> but you know, while it's nice, yeah, it's um, you know if you don't have that someone, uh, it can be quite boring. And um, you know, trying to wake up and make yourself motivated to go is is, is a bit hard. So it's it's good to have someone there, and I'd love to have you know a bit more of a full pool to be able to um, you know, make a little bit more out of it. But um, yeah, look, you know, we've we've got parents that, that love to jump in and have a race uh, during our national championships or our club championships. Um, which is really good to see, and um, maybe we can sort of motivate them a little bit more to um, maybe do some international swimming. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think COVID really impacted everyone, obviously, around the world. But um, getting back into the pool and getting people re-engaged with it, because I think a lot of people found open water swimming. Did you find that in PNG? Here, it's um, uh, it's not as easy because we have some some fairly uh, strong winds. Um, we call them the trade winds, so they, they, they blow usually in either direction depending on what type of year. Um, so half of the year you can't really access the, the beach, um, so it's not too good. And then the other half of the year it's very unpredictable and, and um, there's no beach to launch from. So uh, it's, it's hard, but there, there are some that do it um, and that have uh, a good support crew that, that will go out and follow them between the islands. So. Yeah. It's definitely there, but um, I think it just needs a little bit more coordination um, and that community that can sort of help drive it. Yeah, yeah. I think um, yeah, I wanted to talk to you a bit about the Master Swimming and obviously that is a community that you'll find sort of around the place. So it would be great to build that in PNG. Hopefully this can get out to a few of those people and they can get inspired by your swimming and come and join you on that Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. It's, I mean, yeah. I, was, I was inspired earlier on, um, you know, after after my elite career to, to sort of jump in and do a bit more master's work. And I was um, I was trying to get um, the Oceana swimming where they have the championships every two years to incorporate a master's um, event uh, at the same time. Um, and it was it was somewhat considered, um, but I think that. Um, you know, having something like that, there's a lot of swimmers around the Pacific that would that would take part, and I think it's a you know it's a great initiative to to bring in people who you know already might give a lot of time in coaching or um, technical officials as well who just want to be there. Um, yeah. You know, have fun, travel to Fiji or you know Solomon Islands or yeah. Samoa. Um, yeah, it's a it's a good bit of fun, but. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe one day. Um, I know that the community is definitely there, especially in Australia and, and New Zealand, um, and it's uh, there's a potential for it in the Pacific for sure. Yeah. Now, you're a four-time Olympian and um, you hold or you broke two Masters world records, and so we want to talk about those, but take us back to the very beginning of your swimming career. How did that all get started in PRG? Yeah, okay. So, well, yeah, my, my grandparents were quite involved in sport um, in all sorts of different types of sports but swimming was one of those so my dad actually represented Papua New Guinea uh, back in the 60s um, as a swimmer and then um, my brothers also as they were growing up so I've got two older brothers um, so it was something that I just ended up going down to the pool anyway 
and then um, started to to get a little bit more involved into it. But you know, through my teenage career, um, our access to the international competition scene wasn't wasn't really there. It was um, a lot of just local competitions that we would have, and it wasn't until uh, I finished high school here in Papua New Guinea, and then I moved down to Australia. I thought I'd get back into it, and that opened my my world to a whole whole new world of swimming um, that I didn't see before. Um, you know, coming from a club where I had, you know, there might have been six of us uh, at that level or at a at a senior level, to uh, you know, a swimming pool that was just you know, eight lanes full of of people swimming. Um, it was it was very different, and that level of training was very different. And the access to competitions was was pretty huge, so that that sort of re-inspired me uh, to get back in. So I was, you know, probably, you know, by then uh, coming into my twenties, so a little bit late um, in terms of that part of the career where I just hadn't experienced that that before. So um, yeah, um, two thousand and two Commonwealth Games was my first big competition, uh, and that um, really changed my view on. On, I guess my potential um, and how I saw uh, my career going forward from there where you know, I was able to make uh, semi-finals um, in that event and I initially had not even ever thought of I'd be able to do that so um, and and you can see like uh, you know 2002 and then the four years later in 2006 coming from um, this eye-opening event and yeah the, the thought of making semi-finals who four years later coming out with the gold medal in that hundred hundred butterfly event was um, you could see how much that that uh, changed me um, and in between that I've had uh, you know the world championships and then um, the Olympics in two thousand and four which was my first Olympics so yeah there was that I think that uh, two thousand and two Commonwealth Games was um, was something that definitely changed my my mindset on what I could become. Um, going forward so there's a lot of uh i've had i feel like i've had a very good career um in swimming um and i absolutely loved it um you know i think uh, like a lot of swims you get to probably look back at those moments in your career and and all i can think of was how did you swim that much and not complain you know it was, it was self-driven you, know, you turn up to the pool by yourself cold mornings and things like that it's hard work um and yeah i get to look back now and just think i don't know how i did it but i i respect that um i was very passionate and motivated to just be better uh in everything that i could and i, and I took that opportunity when i was there and I'll, I'll do it all again but um it's it's uh it's interesting looking back on things now and, and how much it's changed but um yeah i mean it's it's been a, a huge huge career pathway for me yeah absolutely well what year did you move to um was it brisbane that you were training in? yeah yeah i was down in brisbane so 2000 uh i moved down uh, 2001 was when i really started to to dive a bit more into uh, the world of swimming and um, take that uh, a lot a lot further than what i was doing so a lot more engaged in it um, yeah, so I, I mean, I was I lived in Brisbane for twelve years um, after that, and it was um, university to start with. But then once that was was done, it was um, swimming. That was my life. 
um, all the way up through to uh, the London Olympics. Um, and then I moved back to PNG. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, for Olympics, that's, a, that's definitely a, um, you know, I, I didn't see myself doing four Olympics. Um, I actually retired after London Olympics. Um, spent a whole year out of the water and was fortunate enough to be uh, an assistant um, coach uh, to world championships in Barcelona. Uh, and I walked into that venue and I thought, no, I've got to get back into it. <laughs> um, I, I, I even jumped into the water. I was, I was um, very, very keen. It's just the smell. I don't know. The smell, the, the, the thrill of watching other swimmers. You just know exactly what they're going through. And and I think that was a really interesting place for me because I I felt that I wasn't quite done and I had more to give. Um, and it was a really interesting space because I was back here living in Papua New Guinea. Uh, and the, the idea of getting back into it was, um, it was hard, but I you know, I was so motivated that I, I trained pretty hard by myself uh, for a lot of it. Um, and then um, as it came closer to the Olympics, I spent, I went back down to Brisbane and spent another uh, about five months focusing just on training outside of work. Um, so, yeah, it was, I got that extra, that fourth Olympics uh, back in to go to Rio. Um, and, and I loved it. Um, Rio and then the World Short Course in in um, Canada, and then once that was done, I knew I knew I was I was I was done. I was happy. Um, yeah, I was I was probably one of the fortunate few that they get to finish a career on you know on their own terms, um, and I was definitely happy with how all that turned out. When when you first moved to Brisbane, who who was training you then? Who was coaching you? Yeah, I moved down to Yoruga Park, so that's with uh, Rick Bandersat, and. Um, yeah, so that was a, a really good community there. I, I loved it, just getting to the pool, and, and we had had some good, um, you know, good, you know, good swimmers there who who um, I was able to challenge against. Um, and I, you know, I had, I guess, looking at that twelve year career plus that extra couple of years, where you know we're looking at, um, yeah, about sixteen years within that program at Yoronga Park. Um, I went through a lot of different age groups. Um, you know, where I was probably one of the, the younger ones that playing up a little bit come through and I'm uh, the more senior one to right at the end of that where I'm definitely a lot more senior than the other athletes that, you know, I was still competing at 30, uh, what was I, 30, 34 um, at that Olympic level. Uh, so a lot older than a lot of those other kids that were there. Um, so it was definitely interesting uh, seeing that uh, and how, you know, you know, the swimmers come and go uh, through their careers and, and where they make it to. And uh, it was, it's pretty good, but yeah, a lot of really good friends out of it. Um, and, you know, a lot of those now sort of involved, uh, probably not in masters um, competition, but they're, they're involved in the, the swimming level through masters and, and still going, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great scene. I mean, Queensland really with the weather um, being so great all year, it's it's just a mecca for swimmers so many of the australian team have moved there now and swimming with all the big super squads there's hardly any left where i am in melbourne <laughs> no yeah yeah i mean you're park where i was at it was um really nice it was it's on a park uh, for one open uh, open scene so um yeah 
quite cold uh, in those early mornings during winter, but um, yeah, very refreshing and, and yeah, a bit bit nicer than some of the indoor pools that you, that you can find. Yes, that's right. Let's have a talk about the um, 2006 Commonwealth Games, which were actually in Melbourne, and you came away with gold medal in the 100 fly. Talk us through that race, the lead up to it, what you felt like in the race and that whole experience. Yeah, um, that was, uh, that's a, a career changer. And, and you know, I, I walk around um, today still in, in Papua New Guinea and, and people will come up to me and talk about that race, uh, what they were doing on the day. Um, and, you know, I've got children that will come up to me that, yeah, we weren't born then and know about the race, which is um, uh, very humbling. Um, and I, you know, I take every opportunity to just, just stop and, and take some photos. But yeah, 2006 Commonwealth Games, uh, like I said before, you know, before that, uh, four years before that was my first uh, big international competition. So a lot had changed. Um, yeah, leading into that, we had um, uh, the 2005 uh, World Championships. I was in Montreal and I remember... Um, Sort of seeing, not seeing Michael Klim for the first time, but but being around him and watching him race has always it's been an inspiration for a, for a long time. And you know, we, we sort of had those little conversations here and there um, about how how they, he might be um, competing and, and racing, and it was it's quite inspiring to be able to talk to him in that way. Um, so we we did have, an, I guess, a rivalry. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call it that. I think it was just a, a pretty cool um, uh, racing experience that we had going along uh, with him as we went through. Um, you know, at the end of that 2005, there's the Queensland Championships and Victorian State Championships where we were racing together and, and still comparing times and how they're going. Um, but, you know, one, one thing that I, I remember is I would race at the Australian Championships and that's their selection trials for, for the up-and-coming competitions and, I had the worst competition I've ever had at that at that time, and um, all I can think of was you know in in two months' time I've got a race at Commonwealth Games and I'm I'm feeling like this, uh, so it was pretty tough uh, knowing that um, you know I couldn't even make a final uh, with the times I was swimming it was it was terrible, um, but I, I feel like I I took that opportunity to learn and, and come out of it pretty strong and I got back got back into training knowing that Commonwealth Games was just around the corner. And, um, yeah, look, as it came, I think, you know, there was definitely a lot of nerves coming. Um, I, you know, Butterfly is probably one of my main events, but I also do freestyle and backstroke as well. So I took that opportunity to compete in those events prior to the 100 fly event. And I was, was swimming incredibly well. I was doing personal best times, um, feeling really good about, uh, where I was, I was you know, making a couple of um, uh, semi-finals and finals as well. So, but that that event, yeah, I mean, I didn't get too much sleep uh, the night before. Hard to eat. Um, there's a lot of things going through your head, um, and there's a few things I remember about that race. And one of those is I had a brand new pair of uh, racing skins. Never, never have had before. Uh, I put them on. Um, not even realizing, but it wasn't until I got out behind the blocks and you you were getting changed out of your um, uh, tracksuit. And I remember seeing uh, Speedo written on there, but it was embroidered. And I just remember thinking just before my race, I was like, 
why is this embroidered? It's normally like a, a sticker or, you know, some sort of rubberized thing. I was like, where am I? And it just threw me off. And I just, I could, I'd never forget that because it was just this, this moment that could have either, um, you know, destroyed my line of thinking. And then, you know, I thought, oh, I've got the wrong things on. I, I can't do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of laughed at it. It's, it's just um, one of those things, one of those moments. Um, but yeah, look, that, that race, um, I remember uh, probably the end of it and how much it hurt, thinking that I probably couldn't get my last few strokes out. As you can imagine, it's the home games for Australia. Um, the crowd was, was going crazy and I could hear it. Every time I came up uh, for a breath, I could hear it. Um, and then just trying to put my head down for those last few strokes. And uh, yeah, it just blew my mind as I turned around and, and saw that number one next to my next to my name. Um, that was really, really something else uh, to be able to come away with that. I, I didn't quite think there, think I'd get there. Um, you know, a couple of months before that, I'd, I'd written out some goals of what I wanted to achieve. And that particular race... I sort of had this order where, you know, I wanted to to make it into the semi-final. I wanted to make a final, uh, just sort of listing out this sort of priority of of goals. Um, I'd written that, um, you know, wanted to win the medal. It didn't really matter which colour. Uh, and I had my time. Uh, I wanted to swim, what was it back then? It was a 52-6-0 uh, that I wanted to swim and, um, and hear my national anthem was the last one. So, obviously got gold and listened to my national anthem. I swam a 52.64, so 0.04 slower than what I what predicted that I would like to swim. Uh, whether that was going to win gold or not was, was um, yeah, up to the, up to the, whoever it was, <laughs> that, would, that would make this happen. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing to, to see that, that power of thought and, and what I wanted to achieve and, um, and the outcome of it all was pretty amazing. Um, and then after that was just uh, a lot of ceremonies for Papua New Guinea. It's our second ever gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. And to be able to do that, um, Sabon was very much elated. And I think it was it was pretty incredible that uh, being in Melbourne was the same time zone. So back here at home, um, it was right during uh, the news broadcast. So that they stopped broadcasting the news and they went to the race so a lot of people got to see it um and that that sort of paved the way for um, a lot of uh, good things in sport i think in, in Papua New Guinea. and um yeah look at it uh gave me a name here which is which is you know something i love um but yeah it's uh it's pretty incredible that the power of, of what what happened on that day and, and michael Finn was was really awesome um just before standing up on the blocks, he said, this is your moment, take it all in. Uh, so I'd, there's a lot of respect for Michael. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great guy. It would have been very tough um, with the expectations on his shoulders, uh, on the whole team. Um, but yeah, he's, he's pretty incredible. So uh, a lot of respect to, to Michael for that. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Well, what's it like? Obviously, overnight you became a national hero in Papua New Guinea. Um, and so, and you and you say that you're still recognised on the street. So, how did it change your day to day life in PNG? Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, back then I was, I was living in Brisbane, so you know I didn't really get to to feel it until I came back home. And um, always been such a an introvert, never really you know out there in the public. Um, 
and that changed a lot of things for me. I was sort of suddenly forced to be in in the public eye. Um, so it was uh, challenging at first, but I, I think I I got to realize that it's um it's a lot. It's it's not about me winning gold now. It's I've done that. It's about how I can not use it, but sort of you know elevate the the messages of of what sport is um and then you know try and be that that good person in in the community that um uh i guess is is happy to to showcase what we've done but then the messages surrounding sport and, and why it's good for you and um and and everything that uh, you know the olympic values which which we try and promote quite a lot um so i think uh, I, I take every opportunity now um if I see someone wanting to try and take a photo, I'll, I'll make an effort to go and to go and do that. Um, yeah, I think I think it's it's important that I do it uh, rather than to hide and shy away from it. So, uh, but yeah, it, like it, it's it's changed things, and I, I love it. I enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, I'd certainly take that opportunity, and I love, I guess, the, the younger kids still coming through and and seeing that. Um, still it blows my mind a little bit <laughs> but um uh, i love i love that the power of, of what sports and in that 100 butterfly race in melbourne could you did you have a sense of where you were like did you look at the turn like at the turn halfway mark did you see where you were placed yeah yeah i, I could feel it and and that was i guess um, part of the strategy too is is to go out um a little bit a little bit hard still comfortable um working on that turn but yeah what's really funny I, I i watched that race back um and i still get nervous watching it and it's like i'll wait until the finish <laughs> and then I go, oh, yes i know i won but it's it's just that that strange feeling because i know at the time and i, I watched that race back and i just uh, critique myself still now uh, when i watch that race which is a criticism as well and, and have it yeah i i uh i look back at it and i, and I see those those little moments that i try to um put behind me but yeah that the turn was um was a little bit i'm going to critique myself here but yes turn was a little bit slow and, and um, i could have been a lot better in in that regard um i could feel michael catching up on me in those last couple of strokes um nothing you can do about it it just it, it pulls you down um like everyone says it feels like you're swimming through mud or you've got a piano on your back it's it's pretty tough and fly is is not forgiving um so yeah, I just just had to try and put my head down and, and make sure I got to the wall, got to the touch, uh, which I did, thankfully, um, because that, that made the difference. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, there's there's moments of that race I'll, I'll remember um, trying to get up on that lane rope and celebrate. That uh, was another one I had my parents there watching, so that was that was pretty cool. That's amazing, amazing experience, and to hear the roar of the crowd at the end must have been just amazing for you. Yeah, yeah, it was deafening. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And I, you know, never, never really um, been approached by that many <laughs> news reporters afterwards. Um, so that was uh, tricky to navigate and just to try yeah, of course. and yeah, gather your senses and enjoy that process of, of what's happening. Burmester, not too much in it from the start. 
Glim going nicely, so too Pinney. Perhaps Pinney's starting to get his way in front as they go up towards the halfway mark. It's the man from Papua New Guinea. Pinney looks fantastic. His stroke's powerful, but it's very long. We saw him go out fast in the first 50 this morning. 24.38. Pinney it is leading. Cooper at the top of the camera there. Lane two in second place. Leonard Swanepoel as they bring it home. Ryan Pinney at Papua New Guinea is still in front. Now they're trying to swim him down. Burmester of New Zealand is the challenge. Burmester perhaps. Pinney's still in front. I think PNG's going to win this. Ryan Pinney. Here comes Quinn. Touch on the wall. Ryan Pinney. Papua New Guinea win a gold medal in the swimming. Fantastic performance. Michael Quinn takes the silver and Moss Burmester takes the bronze. Yeah, I, I actually was um, in the media zone for the recent FINA short course, which were in Melbourne before Christmas, and just stationed outside, or just off pool deck as you come out and you have to walk through the mixed zone before you go to the warm down. And I really did feel sorry for the swimmers because they were still puffing and they were getting asked hundreds of questions by all these journalists. And it's, a tough, it's tough and it's not something that they really, you're really prepared for before you get there, is it? No, no, yeah, you don't. You don't really um, uh, have a good sense of that unless you've been through it before. But as a first timer, mm. uh, it could be it can be quite. Um, uh, you know, it'll take you back quite a bit. Um, but it, you know, it sort of brings up this this thought. You know, Michael Phelps. I um, I raced with him during uh, two thousand eight Olympics, so I was uh, uh, made it to the final in the in the hundred butterfly there. Um, but all I can think of is how incredible he was to be able to go through all those races at that level breaking world records and winning gold medals time after time and here i am swimming my 100 fly event you know <laughs> trying to pull myself together and all i can see is this microphone so you know for the um the semi-final i think it was um we were waiting uh they, they held the race back because they're waiting for michael to, to come back from the medal ceremony and he comes in he's still wet um you know putting on his goggles and he's, he's racing the same race as i am um I'm, I'm doing the race of my life he's doing the race of his life that's <laughs> just a lot of respect for for people like him who was um able to, to focus so much on on his job at hand so um yeah you, you learn quite a lot uh, once you go through those uh, that period um what to expect and and it gets you to that point i guess for me i got to the olympic final um being through all that already uh through the combat games and other world championships it's it's that experience that you gain um and, and you can sort of put yourself through uh some some pretty intense situations that um that other people just would probably freeze uh and not be able to cope uh, with and it still happens to, to swimmers but um yeah it's it's pretty amazing to see how some people do get through it that, that's a, such an iconic race to be a part of, that race that ended in a tie. Yes. What lane were you swimming out of in that final? I was in lane eight, so I was very lucky to make that final. Um, it was something that, um, you know, I guess the year before uh, the World Championships were in Melbourne and um, and that was really a, a good indicator for, you know, who we're going to be swimming where and, and I was able to... Uh, I had a swim off, funnily enough, to get into the final and didn't quite get there. But um, 
that that paved the way for the Olympics the year after in Beijing. Um, and yeah, so so I made it in there eighth, finished eighth. But um, yeah, pretty incredible to be a part of that. Um, obviously, I had no idea what had happened um, until watching it back later on to see how, how close that race actually was. Um, and to be a part of it, um, you know, I've been through the Olympic Museum in Lausanne in Switzerland, and I've seen that race on repeat going back and forward and talking about how close races can be. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very iconic and, and pretty amazing to be a part of. I think uh, I, I swam into that, that final as eighth fastest and all eight of us swam into the top 10 all-time fastest swims. So it was hard to get into, um, definitely hard to get into. And I, was, I, I remember standing behind the blocks ready for that race and just thinking, I've, I've done everything I can. I've absolutely... Um, to make an Olympic final is is a dream come true. Uh, so I just made the most of it uh, as much as I could and just enjoyed that race. Um, so, yeah, really, really cool to be a part of. A lot of work, a lot of hard work. That must have been amazing. And amazing for you to stand there and acknowledge at the time that you'd done everything you could to get there and, and you were excited and happy by that. So it's probably why you swam so well. Yeah, yeah, I was really, really happy. And, and um Angel Orstein, he came in uh, third. He, um, yeah, we were good mates, and, and we had a, a bit of a, um, yeah, a conversation beforehand. That same sort of thing, where it's just how amazing is this to be a part of this? And um, yeah, it's just a, a, a good, a good moment uh, between mates. Um, so yeah, uh, love that moment, and, and that was you know probably aside from uh, Commonwealth Games 2006, winning that gold medal for me, that was a, a huge achievement. And um, yeah, probably not recognised by a lot of people, but um, yeah, certainly for me, I'm, that's that's one of my big highlights for sure. Well, it's, and it should be your personal highlights, not what other people think. So that's, I mean, amazing Olympic final, Commonwealth Games gold medal. You've got so much to be proud of. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I couldn't ask for much more. Put in the hard work for, and the following two Olympics was was a lot tough. Um, the old age group and coming through to a different era of my life where, um, you know, just thinking about work and family and life after sport. Um, so I, I still definitely enjoyed it and I wouldn't have changed anything, but, um, yeah, a lot, a lot tougher on the, on the old body. So out of those, out of those four Olympics was, was Beijing your favorite or were you, um, did you prefer Athens, London, or Rio? London was London was really good. I enjoyed it just because of the the access to the the other sporting venues. It was really close and, and had, a, had a really good um, uh, sense and vibe around it. Uh, really enjoyed that. And you know, in Beijing, it was uh, a lot more difficult to get out um, and and access other parts of the the city. So um, it's just so large. Um, and but yeah, London was London was great. I mean, opening ceremony, closing ceremony were, were brilliant. Really loved those. Uh, to take those opportunities as much as you can get and, and enjoy, especially after competition, um, having that bit more relaxed uh, feeling about it. And, um, yeah, so yeah, London was great. Rio was uh, certainly different. Um, you know, I had had my one year old uh, join me. It was uh, he came to Rio, so that was really special. Um, and I've got some pretty cool photos that, that um, I'm sure we'll enjoy when he grows up. Uh, so to be able to experience that as well. 
Yes. And what was it like being, you've been Papua New Guinea's um, flag bearer twice. What was that experience like? Oh, incredible. Really, really incredible. Um, there's sort of nothing that can really get you um, ready for that moment as a, as a flag bearer or oh, being in that environment from leaving the village or being in the village prior to that moment everyone is getting unforgettable and i was uh, really lucky to have some um, i mean my brother was in the standard shoulder and he got some really really good um, uh, photos so i was going to ask you a little bit about your master's swimming in your international career you swam a lot of butterfly and freestyle and then you went to budapest masters and broke the world record in 50 and 100 backstroke how did you flip to backstroke uh, backstroke has always been um, a, an event of mine, uh, usually short course. I felt that I was better at, uh, at backstroke short course. So um, I always enjoyed it, but uh, because fly was, was uh, I guess, my better ranked event, that took a little bit more precedence in, in those big competitions. Um, at World Masters, um, I still did butterfly. I did pretty well in, in the, the 50, the 100. Um, that's another level of fitness that uh, I, I found out very quickly that <laughs> uh, I needed to do a lot more work in. And uh, so that wasn't a good event for mine. I, but, uh, um, yeah, it didn't do so well. But, yeah, backstroke has, has been something that I've, I've always enjoyed doing and I was, I was able to get through that uh, those, those two races pretty well um, and to come up with a world record was, um, was pretty awesome. So... I um yeah I mean that was that was something that I obviously had looked at uh, to see whether we can um, get into that um, into that area and I was uh, I mean 2017 so Budapest um, I was I was coming into that event really unsure about how how to feel about it um, coming as an as an Olympian the year before into Masters I didn't know. Um, you know, whether it was something that I should be doing or, or how to react about it. It wasn't until the first race that I did, I learned um, the joys of just just racing without pressure. Um, and it was really, really inspiring to see the amount of people that, you know, just loved the sport of swimming um, and just wanted to be involved in it and um, compete and have fun. And you had... Uh, levels of, of people who were just there, they dressed up, um, coming out to, to before they swim, you know, really, really enjoying it, having a bit of fun. So others that were a lot more professional um, were, were you know, uh, cycling themselves up, getting ready to compete. Um, so you had these different levels of people and I was kind of in, in between. I didn't know where I was coming from, uh, you know, that elite stage coming from Olympics into this area. Um but I, I learned to really, really love it and enjoy it. And there were people that I met there that, um, you know, had had seen me race before, and either they had had um, friends that had raced against me, you know, back in. I think there was someone that said uh, uh, they had raced back in two thousand two Commonwealth Games, uh, or had seen me race then. And then there was another one who said uh, they were trained with. Um, one of the Japanese swimmers who I just beat at the, the 2008 uh, Olympics to get into the final. And it's just these really cool conversations that, that you don't realise how many people, um, you know, watch the sport of swimming and, and just admire uh, the elite performances that happen. Um, and they just sort of want to be a part of it and, and you know, want to, want to talk and, and hear 
the stories surrounding it. Uh, so there's, there's lots of different people uh, and you're within that age group and just seeing the, the older swimmers was really inspiring as well to see how much they just enjoyed being around the sport and, and willing to travel and, and enjoy it that way. So I loved it. Um, uh, definitely consider doing it again. Um, I know Japan is coming up. I will be, I mean, I'm, I'm a part of uh, World Aquatics as the uh, through the athlete committee. Um, so I'll be there during the World Championship event and I don't know whether I can uh, squeeze out an extra bit of holiday time to be there for the Masters. But I'll, I'll certainly look at it and I think that's something that you know, gives you a bit of inspiration to get back in the pool and, and try a little bit more, uh, not just plodding up and down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll, um, oh, we'll see see whether that can happen again. But I, I love the idea of it and I think it's such a, a good community. Um, everyone just is happy to be there and, and enjoy the, the racing environment. How, how much did your mileage per week change from the year before in Rio to going to Budapest? Like what was the... Ooh, yeah, a lot. Um, yeah. You know, it changed It changed quite a lot, um, even coming from London um, where I was a dedicated swimmer, didn't do anything else, I was just swimming, to living up in Papua New Guinea and working. Um and so I went from, you know, I suppose, or I guess 2007 to 2012 were some pretty tough years. And we did a lot of, a lot of mileage. Um, things changed here and there, trying different things. So you go from doing, um, you know, we, we would sort of average 7K sets, um, you know, for, for, for our sessions. Um, I don't know what the average would have been, probably, you know, 40K a week would have been sort of fairly average. And I was a more 50, 100 metre swimmer um, through to London. And then coming into Rio was very different where I was probably doing more like 30K. Um, and I, I, I know the experiences that I've been through and being able to come back into the sport I felt I knew exactly what I needed to do, what worked and what didn't. Um, and, you know, taking that time, you know, I had a year out and then I had a couple of years in PNG where I was, I was just swimming in the mornings um, and trying to get back, um, you know, do a bit of gym sessions here and there in between work. And so it was a lot more challenging. Um, but I, I came back into the sport not expecting to get anything a lot out of it, but I was, you know, 100 backstroke, it was a PB, um 50 fly 50 freestyle close to my 100 freestyle a little bit close to my 100 fly so there's there's all these events that i i started to sort of enjoy again and i don't know it's just this sort of weird um weird look and, and how you can change your sets um you know coming from from doing 40 plus k a week down to 30k and and focusing on, on some some different areas i was able to come away with some personal best which i never expected um so yeah it's um pretty interesting but coming into uh world masters um yeah i mean that was you know having, having a bit of fun so I'd, I'd do three sessions a week four sessions a week so it wasn't a lot and i was probably lucky that i still had a lot of base from uh, the olympics that i was able to carry through uh, things are very different now um but yeah I was, I was able to carry through that and um you know, still, still get through some some pretty quick racing. 
but yeah, I mean, if I was to do it now, I'd definitely need to get in um, more than four sessions a week. I think I need to take it a little bit more seriously. Uh, but the, uh, you know, that that's that sort of depends on what's the outcome that I want. Um, yeah, if I if I want to come away with some uh, world record or medals or whatever it is, then uh, you know, we'll take it from there. But I think if I was to do it again, I'll I'll just be there just to enjoy Japan um, and do a few races and. Yeah, it sounds good. I mean, that's the beauty about masters. You can do either. It can be very, you can be very serious about it, or you can just go to have a bit of fun and, and race. And, you know, there's millions of other people around the world sitting on their couch, not doing that. So that's the beauty of racing in masters and making all those friendships and being part of the community. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing. There's a lot of people who, who are still a part of that, that community that, that give back as, you know, they, they volunteered their time to, do timekeeping or a bit of coaching here and there and um they're involved in the sport which is so important to be able to keep it going and, and australia is no exception to that i think you're one of the, the greatest swimming nations in the world and i was lucky to be able to to be a part of that in some way um and this is such a good community around that and that sort of does revolve so much around that older life um uh, that the masters who, who want to still give back and, and enjoy it so yeah, I mean, it's it's just great, and you know, it's not even just about world world masters. I've yeah, you know, I've had had some time in um, the Australian Masters as well, and and that same vibe. You know, it's just, it's it's good to be a part of. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully, I mean, life is life is extremely busy at the moment. Um, you know, there's, there's these other roles that that take place. Um, so I'm I'm involved in sport really heavily here, not just just in swimming, but um with our png olympic committee so i'm a, I'm a board member there so um there's there's a lot of involvement surrounding all the sports and, and getting them to commonwealth games commonwealth youth games olympics pacific games as well so uh really really enjoy it um i never never thought i'd see myself in the administration side of, of sports but um i feel like I've, I've got something to give so I'll, I'll do that for as long as i can and, and on that on that topic, congratulations on your recent appointment as the chef de mission for Paris for PNG. What will that role entail for you? Yeah, that's going to be it's going to be interesting. I mean, we Olympics isn't a big team for us. Um, you know, we're hoping to have you know hoping to have eight athletes go, uh, but that depends on on that universality and the qualifi- qualifications for each of the sports. Um, we might double that size if we get uh, the the women's rugby sevens team in. Um, but that's you know it's, we won't know that until a couple of weeks before the Olympics. But um, yeah, it's going to be uh, yeah a lot of meetings uh, with the sports. There's a, a chef de mission seminar in Paris in July uh, that I'll need to attend um, just to gather a lot of information. Um, there's a there's a chef de mission book which is uh, it's like a ream of paper. Uh, it's huge, um, and there's a there's there's a lot to it, uh, so to make sure that I'm I'm doing the right thing. But um, so fortunate that you know I've got um, a, a nice, a strong team that that will have uh, nothing too big that it's, it's chaotic. Uh, something that's um, hopefully we can do. But there's sort of um, an opportunity that came up, um, and I felt that that this is the right timing where I was, um, um, you know, coming out of a few other different roles that I'd be able to take this on. Um, and I, I knew, I knew my grandfather has um, has had a lot of involvement in sports in PNG uh, back before my time, long before my time. But I, I never uh, fully realised his involvement. Where 
um, I took this opportunity to be chef de mission, knowing that he had been a chef de mission at some point. I didn't know exactly when that was, and um, and it wasn't until later when when the, a little bit more discovery was that he he took Papua New Guinea to our first ever Olympic Games in Canada. Um, so now I'm I'm sort of unintentionally following in those full footsteps, um, which I, I didn't didn't realize at the time. Um, and so I'm, I'm really uh, just a little bit more special in that regard uh, to be able to take uh, a team in a different generation um, to Paris. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, a really, really different challenge. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got um, we've got a good team here uh, to help uh, administratively to, to get the team through. And so yeah, we're, we're gathering a momentum in that space now just to, to get our team together, make sure the funding is there and um, start engaging the athletes. There's a, there's a few competitions this year that we have to get through, which will help us um, identify potential sports and, and athletes. And yeah, we'll go from there. Um, yeah, it's looking good though. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic that you've got a, a team that could go with so many members because I know a lot of the small island nations only have two or three. So having eight or potentially 16 is amazing for PNG. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, one of our aims is, is to have a, a team qualify. We've never had that before. Um, that'd be pretty amazing if we can do that. Um, obviously, you know, everything needs to be done done correctly and, you know, we don't want to send anyone that, that doesn't deserve to go. Uh, so we still try and respect that as much as possible. Um, and, you know, there's universality spots at the Olympics to make sure that there's uh, regions and continents that are that are there uh, competing to make sure that it is a, a world event. Um, swimming is very kind. Um, typically a male and a female will get to go as a universality uh, spot. So we, we usually will have those um, two swimmers go, male or female. Um, usually one from athletics, boxing, uh, we'll have probably hopefully two from weightlifting. Um, those, those qualifications have changed. Um, in Tokyo, we had two from sailing that qualified through Oceania. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, there's opportunities there for our athletes, um, to engage, but we want to make sure we're sending those that are really focused on, on making a, an impact. Yeah, well, I'm sure it'll be a great games for Panji, and it's a lovely family tradition that you're following on from your grandfather. So that's that's really nice. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's good, and and you know, all of this leads into you know that that big picture of, of well, nine years, nine and a bit years now um, until the Brisbane Olympics, where there's a lot of momentum and a lot of talk about what um, uh, Australia can do in the Pacific around this area in engaging and making sports um, bigger in that, in that world stage. We've had Fiji who have won gold medals at Olympics. Um, yeah. There's the idea that, that the Pacific can do more and get more. And so what's the relationship between uh, the Olympics in, in Australia and, and how can uh, the Pacific Islands benefit from that um, with the, the amount of resourcing that's, that's going to be available. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of potential in the next couple of years to be able to make sure that you know we can build some great athletes um, and maybe get more qualifications and, and more Olympic medals. That's that's the uh, that's a big outcome, not just for Papua New Guinea but for the uh, for the whole Pacific. Um, yeah. So I'd like to still be uh, um, involved in some way uh, over the next ten years in that pathway because it's going to be really important that we get this right. Um, you know, I think a lot of 
uh, you know, commentary around being that successful athlete starts a long way back. And it's not just about um, the athlete, it's about capacity around it, having technical officials that know what to do, know the rules, having coaches who, who know how to coach, uh, then you can start to, to build up the athlete through those pathways. So, yeah, 10 years is, is going to come really quick, but um, yeah, we need to make sure we, we make the most of it. Um, and through each of these competitions, so uh, Youth Commonwealth Games this year, uh, we got our Pacific Games in Solomon Islands in November. So, um, yeah, we're trying to make, make use of all those pathways. That's fantastic. Well, good luck with that. That'll be a, a great experience for all your athletes and yourself. That'll be wonderful. I'll be, I'll be watching in Paris next year. Yeah. Be fantastic. Definitely. You'll see that PNG play yeah, fine. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast a deep dive fast five questions. So just tell me the first thing that pops into your mind. What's the favourite pool that you've ever swum in? Uh, Melbourne. Melbourne? Yeah. Oh, nice. MSAC. Okay. Yeah. What are your favourite training goggles? Well, I used to use these uh, Speedo, I think they're called Speed Sockets. They were my favourite for a long time. And they've gone out of, they've gone out of, uh, well, they don't make them anymore, but I was managed to find some and I bought some uh, extra stock. So I've got some still. <laughs> You've got some. <laughs> it, it's, it's a bummer when it when they go out of production, yeah, isn't it? Because it you, you search around for them until the, yeah. I've got a few, a few friends that have done that with different types of speedo goggles. <laughs> What's your favourite butterfly drill? Um, I would say it would be, uh, well, I guess, an extension drill, you know, four kicks to one stroke. Uh, that was one of my favourites as a warm-up to my to my races just to get that strength and power. Did you decrease the, the kicks each time or was it just four kicks, one stroke each time? Pretty much four kicks, one stroke every time. Yeah, I felt I had a good rhythm. I was someone that would do, um, you know, I would swim my races 100 fly or I would go down 15, maybe 16 strokes. Um, okay. So quite low. I do, yeah, good long long wingspan. So that was one of my favourite drills to be able to work on that. Yeah. How, how tall are you? Uh, six foot five. Okay. And yeah. So my, yeah. So about 196 centimeters and my wingspan is 210. So. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. A little bit longer there. Yeah. Good for butterfly. What yeah. about your favorite kick set? Um, I, uh, it'd be lateral kick. Um, so without a board, I spent years uh, just not owning a board at all because I had uh, I had four shoulder operations in my time. Uh, so it was like uh, almost every two years that I would go through a shoulder operation. So I spent a lot of time without a kickboard and a lot of time just kicking. Um, so lateral kick was, was one of my favourites. Uh, work on the different aspects of, of your kick, not just your, not just the down or the up. It was a bit of both. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. And what about your freestyle, uh, favourite freestyle training set? That's a good one. Um, we used to do this. So we used to do a, a dive uh, 25 um, fast, as fast as you can go. You get that time. Uh, you swim down to the end. Um, so you, that was on, I think it was, I can't really remember now, but I think it was on about a minute. And then you would push uh, two hard 50s and that would be on a minute as well. So this is working on that back end part of the race um, and holding on. There's a there's a calculation that you can do, um, which was a little bit confusing, but you'd take your 25-metre time, um, add your two 50s together, 
divide that by four to get that 25 meter time the difference between your 525 and your um your 425 is broken uh you take that time off your total 250s and that should give you that rough uh 100 um speed so a lot of times yeah i guess you know i was i was aiming for that 51 seconds which is my 100 fly time um so yeah it's kind of worked out it was good to do it made made you think a lot as you're warming down you're trying to do the calculations <laughs> i got this right um but it was a good bit of a good bit of a fun thing hard work but um uh yeah enjoyed that how many times would you typically do do that little set um we would do that uh you know three or four times through yeah. um and then you know we might only do it um you know once or twice leading getting closer to that that time um but yeah i enjoyed enjoyed those sorts of sessions that made you think a little bit more about your pacing and, and that back end which was really important for me i was good in the front end um the back end was was pretty tough and i needed to work on that yeah i think we all do so yeah. <laughs> <Not alone>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well ryan thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today it's been lovely connecting with you and hearing about swimming in png and your wonderful career so congratulations on that and good luck for um paris next year Thank you very much. And um, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for your other podcast for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Ryan. He is such a humble champion and a wonderful ambassador for swimming right throughout the Oceania region. Check out our website at torpedoswimtalk.com. It's just been updated and we're still working to get a, quite a few of the training sessions, drills and sets from all our podcast guests uploaded onto the site. But there's a lot there already. Check them out and you can use them in your own training and drop us a line and let us know what you think. Till next time, happy swimming and bye for now.